0: All right, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Redbird Baseball podcast. My name is Lucas Van Pelt. I, this has always kind of been a pipe dream of mine. Um, anybody that knows me knows that, you know, I've been watching Cardinal baseball pretty heavily. It's a giant passion of mine. Um, I feel like I know the ins and outs of it pretty well, you know. Um, so I'm excited to just have a platform to share some of those interests and, you know, again, passions with, uh, with you all. And I feel like I can, I'm, I would be good at bridging the gap. You know, I know some of these more advanced analytical stats and, um, you know, there's a big analytical wave in the, in the, in the world of baseball that I feel, feel like a lot of traditional baseball fans can't seem to cling on to, or maybe it's not explained as well. And, you know, I think the traditional baseball fan watches the, the live TV commentator, commentary with McLaughlin or ESPN or wherever the game is located at. And I mean, the game, you know, as a watcher can seem slow paced, but it's fast paced. I mean, there's every 10 to 15 seconds, there's another pitch that the commentators have to keep up with. They don't have time to explain different stats and rules for, you know, five to 10 minutes at a time to make sure fans understand everything. And so I feel like, sometimes there can just be a gap there, you know, and I feel like that's kind of where I'll come into play. I'm, I'm going to put out short, you know, 20, 30, 40 minute podcasts that people can listen to. And it maybe helps understand some of the decisions that these, that these people can make. And, you know, maybe why, um, you know, why is Helsley throwing in the seventh? You know, why is he not throwing in the ninth when it's the last inning, like a traditional closer would, you know, some of those things that I can maybe explain a little bit better. And so, so, yeah, so that's just, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I'm uh, I'm a chiropractor as well. I work full-time seeing patients. So, um, you know, this podcast is going to be more kind of on the side that I'll do in the evenings or on my off days and stuff. So um, I'm not going to be releasing a ton of podcasts. I'm hoping for, you know, one to two a week. But I don't, I'm still kind of learning about the world of podcasts. So um, that number may decrease once I've, you know, figure out that this may be, requiring more time than and you know, than I than I initially thought. So um but yeah, so I think my first episode again I just wanted to do a little intro of kinda of why I'm doing this and um you know today's September first. I'm recording this on my lunch break, so I think that the best way to just start off this podcast is to do kind of just a State of the Union address for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know? We're, you know, today is the first day of the last month of the season. the The last game of the year is October fourth or fifth, one of the two. We end and we the last game of the season was supposed to be October second, but because of the lockout, it pushed the season back a week. So we actually played the Pirates six times in a row to end the season. So we got a little over a month left of the season. So my first episode, I just wanted to spend. 15 20 minutes just kind of going over um, again state of the union address I like to call it so kind of just where we're at heading into the last month so this uh, this is going to be kind of a part one I'm going to focus on the pitchers today Um, and then in in my next episode I'll talk about the position players and this and then we'll go from there and then my goal eventually is every three four games upload a upload kind of a review podcast or maybe a recap of each game um, you know, some important things that may have happened or whatever. And then if there's anything I need to explain or talk about extra than that, I'll spend an extra five ten minutes at the end of the episode, kind of chat about that. So that's kind of my goal. Again, I've never done this before. This is more of a part-time hobby type of a thing. So please, if anybody listening knows me personally, please reach out to me and give me some, give me some feedback or things that I should do better. Or maybe I'm, rambling and talking too fast. I don't know. Anything you guys got at me, just throw it at me. So, so the first, uh, the first thing, like I said, we're going to talk about the pitchers. So um, we're going to talk about the, the, the starters first. I think, you know, going into the season, the starters were definitely um, an area of need. I think any Cardinal fan knew that um, before the deadlock or deadlock before um, the lockout happened this past December, all we really did to address it was Steven Matz, you know? And I think, you know, looking at his peripheral stats, I think any Cardinal fan would be happy for, you know, happy. It's definitely not a bad, I don't, I don't remember anybody being upset about the signing thinking that maybe, you know, after the lockout, we would sign another starter or two, you know, to really fill it out or maybe like a swingman reliever type. And then the lockout came and went and all we had was Steven Matz. And I think, you know, Mazelok has a little bit of an ego, unfortunately. I think we're all aware of that too. He thought, you know, because of Michaelis coming over from, from Asia in 2018, he thought maybe Drew Verhagen would be that, be that again. And, you know, he signed a two year, two year deal after not pitching in the major leagues for the last couple of years. That's kind of a puzzling move um, that has since fallen on its face. You know, I'm, I've been quite vocal about Verhagen and, you know, Packy Naughton and Aaron Brooks and Nick Whitgren, these kind of like those four guys are the first ones that come to mind. Those kind of scraps, I guess. I mean, they're human beings. So I hate to talk about players that way, but kind of the scraps that um, Mazaloc acquired after the deadline or after the lockout. So hoping that they could maybe just fill in the gaps and at least give out some presentable innings and, you know, Paki Naughton's had his moments, and Nick Whitgren had a couple outings where I was, you know, maybe thought that something could happen, but uh, they never ended up happening, and none of them are pitching for us anymore. So I think that we can all be a little relieved. I mean, I think the story of this season has been the rookies, and that obviously applies across the diamond, and no different than the starting rotation. You know, Pilante has been incredible, kind of bridging or you know, bouncing between the rotation and the bullpen. We obviously saw what he did last night. He came in for two innings and the extras, and Got a couple lucky ground balls. I mean, he has on his, on Palante's fastball, he has a strike or a ground out percentage of 65%, which is ridiculously high. And we saw that, that, you know, got us two giant outs last night, you know, in extra innings that allowed our offense one more attempt to win. And we finally did. So, um, Plante's been a revelation. Nobody really knew he didn't light up any prospect ranking boards before the season, but made the club out of April and has, again, where would we be without him? You know, and I'm, I'm you're going to hear me keep saying that over and over again. And um, I think it applies. And I'm looking at, you know, baseball com. It's a, it's a website that I highly recommend everybody go to. It kind of gives a good breakdown of all these analytical stats that I'm going to do my best at explaining. Um, so you guys can understand. So, though, and I'm going to try to give like one good, you know, one kind of stat with each player, or at least the notable players. So the one that kind of jumps out of the page is obviously the ground ball rate um, that he provides Palante on his fastball. And then the other one is of all Cardinal pitchers, he allows the least amount of uh, barrels. So by that, it's just what percentages of like when you're like, if I'm Andre Plante on the mound, of everybody that makes contact with my pitches, what percent of those pitches does the batter barrel up? You know, Pilantes is at 3.3%. So every ball that's ever hit into play off Andre Pilante, only 3% of them hit the barrel, you know, which is ridiculous. Just to give you some reference, the highest on the Cardinals, at least of innings wise, is Matthew Libertor, and Steven Matz. Those two are both over 10%. So, one in every 10 balls that somebody hits off of those two guys are barreled up. And when you hit the barrel, you're more likely to hit the ball faster and it, in the gap or obviously out of the stadium for a home run. So, the least amount that you want to hit barrels is the best. And Plante does it the best on the Cardinals. So, that's great. I think, you know, where, again, where would we be without Wainwright and Mike List? They've both been the, that kind of veteran presence at the top of our rotation, both fringe all-stars. I mean, Michaelis did end up making the all-star team as an alternate, but you know, Wayno kind of had an argument and Wayno Wayno has kind of picked up steam here in the last half. So um, both of them have been tremendous. Their win loss records don't really show it, but you look at their, um, their outside statistics and they've just been an anchor, you know, for the rotation. So, Everything after Wainwright, Michaelis, and Palante is kind of a question mark. I mean, obviously, next I'm going to talk about the two deadline uh, acquisitions. So you have Jordan Montgomery, which came out of nowhere the last 20 minutes of the trade deadline on July 31st or whatever day that was. Um, Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. I mean, I saw that. I saw that trade come across my Twitter feed, and I was very stunned. I think just because, you know, granted Harrison Bader is, is wishy-washy um, offensively, but you can make an argument for him being the best defensive center fielder in the entire major leagues. So for them to part with that for a Jordan Montgomery and um, was puzzling to me at first. Okay, at first, big key there. Because now I think two things speak for themselves, or two things not speak for themselves, but help understand that deal a little more. One, you have Jordan Montgomery and his workhorse self mowing down his last five starts. I mean, everybody, every Cardinal fan that's watched last month has, you know, has known the month of August how important Montgomery has been to kind of stabilizing that rotation. And there's a stat I saw the other day. It's wins above replacement. So for those of you who don't know what that is, it's essentially how much value you're adding to your team. So for pitchers, it obviously, you know, how many hard balls, that you're allowing how, you know, what is the exit velocity to, of what you're allowing? So how hard are people hitting the balls off of you? Are they smoking the ball? Or are you allowing a lot of soft contact? How many homers you're allowing? How many times you walk a guy? Those, all, I mean, everything. And it takes out things that you can't control, like wind, what ballpark you're pitching in, things like that. Um. So of all deadline acquisitions, Across the major leagues, Jordan Montgomery has the highest wins above replacement, which means he is providing the most value to his team of any player that was traded. And obviously you got some big name players that were traded, you know, Juan Soto, among many others. So um the Cardinals kinda won the deadline, at least so far. We're only halfway, you know, through. But great acquisition there. And then the other thing that makes that trade a little bit more digestible is the emergence of Lars Newbar. I mean, he has been I mean, even last year he was great. He had a a great defensive catch a couple times last year, can run into a homer every now and again. I think he would be a tremendous fourth outfielder across the major leagues, you know, so the Cardinals were lucky to have him. Um, And this is just where you got to kind of trust the Cardinals. I mean, they clearly saw something in Lars Newbar in June and July that made Harrison Bader kind of expendable. And obviously the emergence of Jordan Walker and his ability to play the outfield next year, potentially, obviously makes Harrison Bader even more expendable. So I remember having conversations with my brother, like, who do you think would be more likely to sign a deal in the future? Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader. Cause obviously, you know, each of them had a couple years of control left, but I think after 2024 is when they're both eligible to be a free agent. Um, he thought Tyler O'Neill would be likely to to leave and Harrison Bader would resign, but I thought the opposite. I thought you know Harrison Bader being from New York and going to the University of Florida, he's definitely an East Coast guy. He um, he just doesn't give off the vibe of a lifelong Cardinal. I never got that vibe from him. Obviously, he's a fan favorite and I loved him, but never really thought he would resign. And the Cardinals must have saw something similar because again, the emergence of Jordan Walker and. Lars Newtbar kind of turning the page offensively has, you know, again, made Harrison Bader more expendable. So Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, A-plus trade. Next is Jose Quintana, who I would say is a notch below. He's definitely provided some stability. I mean, his last couple starts have been shaky, but he just simply doesn't allow runs. I mean, even his worst start was like five innings, three run, three runs allowed, which that's a quality start. So that's still not bad. Obviously, his first couple starts, he was dominant. His last two, three starts, he's been allowing a couple runs here and there, but he's still going five, six strong, only allowing a couple runs here and there. So um, I don't think they signed Jose Quintana to be an ace. So, I mean, clearly if he's going to pitch five, six shutout, that's wonderful. Clearly we're never going to turn that down. But if the rest of the year he goes five innings and allows three run- runs or less, every Cardinal fan should be very happy with that because that's what a four or five starter is supposed to do. You know, not everybody can be Jack Flaherty and Wainwright and Michaelis where they're throwing seven shutout innings, every other start, you know, they're, those are called aces for a reason. They don't, they don't, you can't have five aces in your rotation. I mean, there's some examples in history, the nineties Braves, things like that, that they had that, but um, typically doesn't happen. So we didn't really trade a lot for Quintana, third base prospect, obviously, He's blocked by Arenado and Jordan Walker. He really didn't have a path to the major leagues. And then Jose Oviedo, who was, I mean, last year was dreadful. This year kind of picked it up a little bit in the bullpen, but definitely an expendable piece. So last but not least in the starting rotation, there are, are two guys I want to talk about. One is who's in the rotation now, and that is Dakota Hudson. Um, you're not going to find another guy that is as – I don't know how to, how to say it properly – as low on Dakota Hudson as I am. I mean, I had some hopes a couple of years ago, you know. He doesn't really walk that many guys, or at least didn't at the time. He didn't allow that, you know, big blow-up inning. Um, he was only 24 or 25, you know. I was like, okay, this guy could be, a you know, middle of the rotation piece for years to come, and he just has never really ever shown that again. He doesn't have a strikeout pitch. He's a ground ball pitcher, which is great, but it's hard to sustain that for six innings straight. I mean, you've got to be – precise with your location when you only throw 92 you have to be deliberate with your off speed and you got to change eye level you got to throw high and then low and then throw this and then that and I just don't know if he his his future as a starter I mean really all that me and my, my me and my buddy were talking about this last night he reminds me of Seth Manis. you know Cardinal fans remember him from like 2015 or whenever he throwed you know I can see I can see Hudson kind of fill in that role in the bullpen you know you have Maybe it's the sixth or seventh inning, and Quintana or whoever, you know, has done pretty well. There's one out, runner on first. I can see Hudson coming in and throwing a 93-mile-an-hour sinker into a right-handed hitter. They roll over on it, and he throws one pitch, and it's a double play out of the inning. You know, I can see Hudson kind of fill in that role. So um, is his future in the rotation? I don't think so. Because you even look at next year, I mean, Wayno has hinted retirement. I don't buy it. I think Wayno can throw another year. I think he's going to want his own kind of exit tour. There's a reason why he's letting Yachty and Pujols do them by themselves this year. Um, I think he's going to last minute sign on for another year. Quintana's a free agent, but we have Michaelis, Montgomery, Flaherty, all signed for next year. Potentially Wainwright, you know, that's four right there. Mats is going to be coming back. Boom. You got five in the rotation and I would trust Pelante over Hudson at this point. Um, so I think Hudson is, he's, uh, he's kind of sliding down that starter death chart. So, um, so I think who obviously all Cardinal fans are kind of awaiting his arrival is Jack Flaherty. I mean, what more can you say about what he did a couple years ago? Um, it scares me that he hasn't really shown that consistently since, I mean, his first half last year was incredible before he got hurt. I mean, he was low 2 ERA, had a great win-loss record. You know, all these other stats were phenomenal. And then he got hurt, and he was hurt on, on and off all year last year, and then obviously clearly has been hurt all year this year. So um, Flaherty just threw his fourth and final rehab start last night. He's thrown three for the Springfield Cardinals, which is our A affiliate and he threw one for Memphis AAA. and he last night might have been his most dominant one so i think i think he's ready you know i think he's ready i think he as far as i know he's slotted to start next monday so uh he started wednesday yeah, thursday friday saturday sunday yeah monday would be when he comes back so as far as i know that's when he's coming back which pushes hudson out of the rotation i know marmal kind of hinted at a six man rotation yesterday in the media i don't i don't buy it so um because really, in the playoffs, you only need a four-man rotation. And you have wayno Michaelis, Montgomery, Quintana, Flaherty. You already got five. You only need four for a healthy playoff rotation. In my mind, there's no way Hudson's going to start. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the that's kind of the starter category. I mean, next you have – I'm not going to spend as much time on the relievers, obviously, the big ones I will, but that's it. Um, so the first couple of relievers I want to talk about are – Mats and Pelante. I mean, again, Steven Mats was signed as a starter. He's been hurt since May or June. And Ali Marmal and Moselak both came out in the media last week and said it's it's too late to build Mats back up as a starter before the postseason. We already have those five starters I just listed below or um, earlier. I think they're wanting Mats to come in um, out of the bullpen, and which is good. I mean, Mats people don't really realize this because Steven Matz has a five ERA. So it kind of jumps off the page at you. And that's the first thing you see, but you, you start to take a look at Steven Matz's peripheral statistics and they're a little better. You know, he actually leads the Cardinals leads all Cardinal starters in strikeout percentages. He strikes out the most, the most guys. Um, he's elite at, I mean, he's, his barrel percentage is pretty, pretty bad. He's kind of missing over the plate more than he would like. Um, but he's his his batting average against is only 250 which is pretty good so um and there's a couple this is where I feel like I'm going to start to explain some analytical stats. So if you ever see this, just remember what I said. So his ERA is 5, right? Jumps off the page, not great. That is not even good. That's not even close to average, right? Um But you look at a stat called expected ERA. So you'll see it'll have a little lowercase x and then ERA above it. So what that is and how it's different from ERA is it's it's a weighted stat. Um, And ERA plus, or I'm sorry, XERA is more like, okay, well, here's your ERA. Now let's take out some factors that you can't control. So what ballpark you're pitching in, you know, like the Reds ballpark averages some of the most runs per game in the in the whole league. To whereas Bush Stadium, that's a more pitcher-friendly park, you know. Um so it takes out things that he can't control. Wind, you know, is where five of his first 10 starts happen to be at Wrigley where the wind's blowing out every game, you know, because again, that's a factor he can't control. So his expected ERA is actually 3.99, which obviously is just a hair below four, which is still not great. But you look at Steven Nass' career averages, and that's right on par. I mean, 3.99 is is good. It's not great. Um, it's a hell of a lot better than 5, though. And then the last stat is another one called fielding independent pitching. So, again, that is similar to XCRA. They both have their little differences. I may do an episode in the future outlining those a little bit more. Um, but fielding independent pitching, some of these advanced analytical guys think it is the best uh, stat for – Um, it's the best stat for pitchers. It it gives the most value, it, whatever. And his fielding independent pitching is even lower than his expected ERA. So that gives you an idea that, you know, his peripherals are actually a little better than how he's actually throwing. So um, just for reference, let me find it on here. Steven Matz, his fielding independent pitching is, yeah, 302 so and actually I lied, his ERA is five point seven zero, so that's even worse than five. It's almost six. So again, that jumps off the page, but then you look at his X ERA, his expected ERA, three point nine four. And then you look at his fielding independent pitching and it's three point zero two, which is that's close to all star level. You know, anything in the ERA is about two is all star level. So Matt's has been significantly better than he has shown. Um and him being in the bullpen accomplishes two things. One, well, there's kind of a need for a lefty now. I mean, you have Genesis Cabrera and TJ McFarlane who were supposed to come into the season and be the guys, lefty-wise, and they're just not it. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not really contributing. So now you have JoJo Romero who was traded over to the Cardinals at the deadline for Edmundo Sosa. Um, Edmundo Sosa was about 24 hours from being released at the time. So the fact that we can get a 25-year-old lefty reliever from him is is a win in my book. And he's he's had five innings, six innings now for the Cardinals of scoreless ball. So that's great. So I think you have Steven Matz, you have Jojo Romero, and then you have Zach Thompson who can be those lefty guys out of the pen. Thompson has pitched 12 to 13 to 14 innings this year so far, or I'm sorry, <laughs> appearances. He He's close to 20 innings and he has a two point something. ERA. So Thompson's been great. So I think you you feel comfortable with those three lefties I mean, Romero threw the bottom of the eighth and the ninth inning last night in a tie game. I mean, I, granted, I know it's against the Cincinnati Reds, but that's still a higher-level situation. And Romero pitched, got four outs, and it was great. We talked about Hudson, who's going to kind of slide back. We already talked about Plante who's been phenomenal. Next, I think, are the two I want to address are Hicks and Woodford. So I think they're, they're the guys that are going to maybe, in the bullpen at least, they're going to come in in the, in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning, and they're going to they're going to be those right-handed outs that can get you to Helsley and Gallegos there at the end of the inning. Hicks, I mean, I, I want to love Hicks. I do. He, he's fun to watch. He throws 103 mile an hour sinkers with 20 inches of break horizontally. And that slider is filthy. You know, he really should be unhittable, but he becomes hittable because he can't locate sometimes. I mean, he comes in and throws one inning, gets three strikeouts, makes all three batters look silly. And then he comes in, the next one and he gets five walks in a row, you know? So it's, he's very inconsistent. Woodford I think should have been called up a little earlier. Um I know there's like a famous quote of Marmol earlier this year that uh he was down in A because his slider spin rate wasn't that high. I mean, you look at that and that, that's kind of a joke. I mean, you, you understand that, that spin rates on, on balls is important. And, you know his slider and his curveball were breaking a little sharper last year compared to this year, so it concerned Marmol in the front office. But is that a reason to keep him at AAA when he's shown that he can be a valuable part of the bullpen? I I, I don't I don't buy it. So um, so that was a puzzling move for me to leave him down all year, but he got called up in August and he's been great for us as well. So let me find his specific stats and I can read a couple off here. Jake Woodford, boom. His ERA is two point one six, which is phenomenal. His ground ball percentage is close to fifty percent, which is wonderful. Um, He leaves guys on base at a clip at almost eighty percent, which is phenomenal as well. Um, Yeah, so he's had thirty three innings of a two point one six ERA. You can't really ask for much more than that. And you look at War on pitchers, um, one, two, three, four, there's your five starters. He is the Fourth, most valuable reliever this year for the Cardinals um, above some o- other notable names like Jordan Hicks, you know, um, Genesis Cabrera. These are the guys that have been up here all year. Woodford has less than half of the innings pitched and he's already better than them considering the stat war. So um, that's been great. And then, so regarding relievers, the last two guys are going to be Gallegos and Helsley. I mean, Helsley was more of the middle of the rotation guy, or I'm sorry, middle of the bullpen guy. Gallegos being the ninth-inning guy, Um, and then it switched. We all have seen how freaking dominant Helsley has been all year. I mean, what more can you say? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on Helsley because I don't need to. Everybody has seen it. You know, He throws 102, has a 93-mile-an-hour slider, which is faster than Wainwright's fastball is. Um, He has thrown almost 60 innings this year, Um, has a 40% strikeout rate, which is absolutely absurd. He's the third most valuable pitcher on the team besides Michael Itz and Ueno, um, with 100 less innings. Um, so um, one of the three best, in my opinion, if not three, then four or five. He's at least a top five relief pitcher right now in the whole game of baseball. That's how good he's been. Um, and then you have Giovanni Gallegos, whose ERA is now down below uh, three again. It's 294 it was in the high threes in July. He definitely had a couple rough outings. I think we can all remember those. But he's you know inched it back down. You know he's been he's been great as well. So you I would trust him in the ninth as well in a tie game in the playoffs absolutely. Um, and then the, la- the last couple guys you have Matthew Libertor, Packy Naughton, Cody Whitley, Junior Fernandez, Alex Reyes. Um, obviously, Alex Reyes is going to be out for the whole year rehabbing his injury. But the other four guys, I don't. I don't see them making the playoff roster. I don't even see Genesis Cabrera making the playoff roster. He's been horrible of late, and obviously he's down in AAA trying to figure it out. So the only way that I can see Genesis Cabrera making it is an injury to Matt, Jojo Romero, or Zach Thompson. I think if any of those three get injured and Cabrera has a couple scoreless outings maybe before the playoffs start, I can see Genesis Cabrera taking that spot. But other than that, I think you're... Your playoff pitchers are going to look like you're going to have Waino, Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, Quintana, Jack Flaherty as your starters. Again, in the playoffs, you only need four. So I can see Jose Quintana maybe sliding back to the bullpen as well. And then you have Dakota Hudson, Steven Matz, Andre Palante, um, which uh, anybody can tell you, any sports fan can tell you that getting hot in the playoffs is really what wins a lot of championships. In hockey, the one position that you want to get hot is you want a hot goalie. They can carry you through the whole playoffs. And that's how bullpens are in the major leagues. So you get a hot bullpen and they can carry you. We obviously know that Helsley and Gallegos can shut the door at the end. But some of those middle-of-the-pack guys getting hot is really what carries a team. And the fact that we have Dakota Hudson, Steven Matts, and Andre Pellante, and Jake Woodford, who got all four of those guys, can go three, four, five innings if needed, you know? So if one of our starters gets blown up for six runs in two innings, you know, you feel comfortable essentially just bringing in another starter. So a lot of other teams don't have that depth. And I think that's, and I think that's great. And then after that you have, so you have Hudson, Matt, Plante, Woodford, probably all going to make it. You have Helsley, Gallegos, and then the last two are probably going to be Jordan Hicks, and then one of JoJo Romero and Zach Thompson, I think rounding out those lefty those lefty throwers. That's who your playoff rotation is going to be, or your bullpen. So, um, you know, overall, you look at some of the other teams that are going to make the playoffs, and, you know, do they have star players like Corbin Burns, Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller? Yeah, I don't know if the Cardinals have that. But do other teams have six or seven starters in the playoffs? that, you know, you kind of feel comfortable with throwing a couple innings for you. I also don't think that those players have those, you know. So especially an an important aspect of this year's playoffs is going to be that, you know, in years past, in the NLCS, in the World Series, it's a 2-3-2 model. So you have two two games at, let's say, Busch Stadium, and then we'll play three games at ROA Stadium, and then the last two games are also at Busch Stadium. And there's a travel day in between. Now, one of those travel days are gone. So it actually, this year, more than years past, that actually benefits your depth. I think before you can get away with a four-man rotation because you have two travel days mixed in to give your starters a little more rest. So if you have a Jacob deGrom throwing game one, his days of rest are game two, travel day, game three, game four, and then he could throw game five again already on normal rest. Sometimes game four if they want to push it, whereas now the series is a little shorter. So teams with a little bit more starter and reliever depth, I think are going to be rewarded this year in the playoffs. And I think the Cardinals have that. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of my little rundown of where, where we're at with the, as of September 1st with the starters and the bullpen, um, I'm going to do an episode in the future about the position players and kind of lineup configurations versus lefties and righties. I kind of already have marked down here what I'm going to write. So, um, so, yeah, so that's going to be the end of the first podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Again, I'm kind of – we're doing short episodes here at the beginning because I'm just kind of recording these in my off time. Um, you know, if it's a weekend and I have a little extra time to spend five, ten minutes going over some stats at the end, of course I would love to. But um, we're going to keep it pretty basic for the first episode. So, so, yeah, so that's kind of my spiel. Again, if anybody listening to this knows me personally, reach out to any of my socials and um, hit me up. Give me some feedback. I obviously want to cater it. If you have any questions, I can answer in the next episode. Have a good one.